Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome in, Primers, to this issue 92 of the DC Primetime Podcast. Here on the Next Level Podcast Network, from the Showcast Spotlight, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. And we are back to business this week, as we saw the returns of Supergirl, The Flash, Arrow, and the premiere of Black Lightning. And we're definitely very opinionated about some of it. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> we're we're opinionated. We're opinionated about some of it, and we're kind of. I don't want to say. I'm trying to think of like we, some of it not so memorable, and some of it very memorable. Um, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's gonna be a weird. It's gonna be a weird one this week. I think it is uh, because. It, it's going to be hard to kind of review a couple of these episodes. Well, not it's, it'll be easy to review them, but I think it's going to be tricky to talk about a couple of them. So, yeah. Uh, uh, but I got a long wish fulfilled. Yes, uh, you did. I wanted to for, text you so bad for something I've been asking for for over a year. <laughs> uh, was the I got the ultimate wish fulfillment this week in Supergirl. So, yes. hey, uh, not exactly how I wanted it to happen, but it's still there. So I'm uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's it uh, still happened. Um, it still I'm going. Happens. I'm going to put this out there right now just to get it out in the open so that this person is aware. Apologies to Anne this week because our Arrow talk might be a little rough. Uh, not as bad as the midseason finale. No. Uh, I no. promise. <laughs> uh, I, well, let's, you know, without burying the lead here, let's, let's get our quick reviews, scores in, and then uh, let's dive into it. So. Okay, yeah, we're going to go a little out of order this week. We're going to do Supergirl, Flash, and Arrow first, and then we're going to save uh, Black Lightning for last only this week because it was a season a series premiere. Uh, next week, we'll go back to the order of the shows as they air. But starting off first, we have Supergirl Season 3, Episode 10, Your Rating Rob, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? 
I'm actually giving this one a legend, uh, and not just because of my uh, my long wish, as I mentioned, of Streaky the Super Cat finally making an appearance in Supergirl. Um, but I really enjoyed this episode a lot. I was really concerned about when we saw those images of Brainiac 5, all that stuff. Man, I love this character. I really think they, they knocked it out of the park, and there were some amazing, amazing moments this week. Uh, but really very pleased uh, and very happy to see it come back strong after that really strong ending for its mid-season finale. Uh, they've got um, they've got the, the mojo that it's needed for a while, and it's staying on its upswing. So, uh, legend. Yeah, uh, legend for me as well. My only fear with it is that uh, this episode came back so strong, and we... We're only going to get four, I think, four episodes before Legends returns to extend to go until the end of its run. And my only fear is that we're going to get four amazing episodes of Supergirl and then we're going to have to wait eight or nine weeks before we come back and get the rest of it. Uh, So it's it's going to be great story wise for the show. But as far as an audience goes, it's going to suck having to wait. Yeah, especially if they do some. It, my guess is when we, when we break it down, I think I know where they're going to ha- leave us on those four episodes. So we'll uh, let's go from there. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have The Flash, season four, episode ten, sidekick hero or legend. Ah, man, this is a hard one to. Uh, to I know review. what mine is. Um, I want to say it's a legend, but a low legend, uh, and not for any poor reasons. I think it's just there's a there's the side story. Um, Every time that that was going on, while there were some fun moments, I really wanted to get back to what was happening with Barry. So um, I think that's the only thing for me that uh, it was a very non-memorable villain, but ended in a memorable way. So, um, yeah, so I'm still going to go give this one a legend this week. Okay. Yeah, I'm giving legend. I'm giving a legend to this one as well. Um, I have a little bit of a difference of opinion on the side story. And we'll get to that as we do the breakdown. But I'm I'm not giving it a low legend. I'm not giving it a high level. It's a legend. It's like a mid level legend, probably like an eight or a nine. So, uh, but yeah. I'm giving this one a legend as well. Uh, we have Arrow season six episode ten. Sidekick hero or legend? Uh, this one's getting a hero. Um, I this was the show I waited the longest to watch, um, and, and not because it just falls on Thursday, which means I usually don't wake, uh, have an opportunity until late Friday night. Um, but I waited to like the eleventh hour to uh, sit down and watch this because I was just not pleased with where things ended on the midseason finale. And uh, while there were some amazing action scenes this uh, this week oh, that I man. really think that uh, make this, regardless of any story that they told, deserve that point. Uh, and deserve at least a hero minimum. Um, they got to do some work here. Uh, there, there's definitely some sloppy things happening on Arrow. Yeah, uh, sidekick for me as well. Um, oh, I gotta... so you're going sidekick? I said. Hero. Oh, not sidekick. I'm sorry, hero. That's what I meant. Um, I'm still in the transition of the mid-season finale. Uh, no, I went. I went hero. Um, definitely on an uptick from the mid-season finale. I agree with you. There are some things you need to. They need to work on, uh, but. Without a doubt, one thing I'll just make note of right now, there's one particular action sequence in this episode that is phenomenal. The trench? Uh, the <laughs> trench. Oh, my God. It, th- we've mentioned it time and time again. The action sequences from this show are amazing. Uh, and it made me look at one thing in particular. This is another James Banford-directed episode. Mm-hmm. Had to be. I mean, with an action sequence like that, it had to be. Uh, but, yeah, uh, hero for me. And finally, we have the series premiere, season one, episode one of Black Lightning, sidekick, hero, or legend? 
Man, this is getting a legend for me. This, I think, was the probably the strongest start of a Arrowverse show. And well, I, it's hard to call it an Arrowverse show yet at this point in time. But as far as the CWDC slate, this was, I think, the strongest start for any of these shows yet. Um, I don't think that's even a question in my mind. And then again, purely my opinion on all this. And the funny thing is, it didn't even need to have any super heroics in it at all. This could just be about a retired hero that's just trying to clean up the streets. It's a principle, and I probably would still watch it because, man, this was really damn good. Uh, really very, very pleased and very excited for this week. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm right on the borderline of hero and legend. Um, I, only because pilots tend to be kind of on the lower end as far as where the season goes. I like to see the slow build into the finale, and uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaning more towards Legend, but I'm right on that borderline of high hero, low Legend. Um, but I gotta pick one. Just for the sake of being different between the two of us this week, other, otherwise it'd be the same across the board, I'm gonna say high hero. Okay. Uh, again, I, I loved the pilot. I think I agree with you. I think it's one of the strongest pilots that we've seen, and everybody that I've spoken with even people who don't watch the other Arrowverse shows watched Black Lightning, uh, which just goes to say the promotion worked that Warner Brothers was putting and CW was putting behind it. Um, and everybody I've talked to enjoyed it. I don't think I talked to one person who didn't enjoy this pilot mm -hmm. and didn't enjoy this show. Uh, I still think there's a couple more things that need to be explained and developed. But outside of what we – again, there's only so much you can put in a pilot without making it a, a like a movie pilot. You know, a two-episode pilot. Uh, what we got, I enjoyed, and I can't wait to see more. So, yeah. So, I'm going to go High Hero. Cool. All right. Uh, all right. Let's go back to the beginning of this and start breaking down these episodes, starting first with Supergirl Season 3, Episode 10, titled Legion of Superheroes. Uh, Supergirl remains in a dreamlike state after sustaining injuries from rain, so Monel recruits Brainiac 5, a member of the Legion of Superheroes, to bring her back. Uh, one of the things we're going to start doing now that these shows have come back, we're going to give you some of the reviews that are out there as well. Uh, number reviews on top of ours. Uh, so IMDB gave this episode an 8.3 out of 10, and IGN uh, also scored it pretty high with an 8.1 out of 10. So it seems all around uh, a pretty solid rating for The Return of Supergirl, and I know we said in our beginnings that we enjoyed this as well yeah so legends of that falls in that same rating around of an eight so between an eight and a nine yep yeah exactly so nice to know that we're actually uh on point for what a lot of other people are thinking so that's good <laughs> yeah uh and as you heard in the beginning uh we, we didn't choose this i actually haven't even pulled the clip yet at the time of recording this but you would have heard it already our line of the week actually comes from supergirl this week uh, as well, and what was one of Rob's favorite moments of the episode. It was one of mine, too, and it was one I had completely forgotten about. Until oh, you, the, you brought it live it on a prayer, man. Yes. <laughs> that was amazing. Yes, exactly. Uh, but I love that we got got a really nice kind of idea of what's going on with the Legion, though, in this episode. I mean, they didn't give us the full picture, but just enough that makes things very interesting to find out more about what's happening with them. Uh, the fact that we hear about the Blight, um, which is in the future, and is wiping out worlds. It sounds like Earth is not far behind uh, on uh, the scale of what's to come for the Blight. And um, that Monel, Saturn Girl, and Brainiac 5 and the rest of the Legionnaires are back in time uh, to get information to kind of help kind of keep things uh, keep things moving. <laughs> so 
uh, and make sure that the world doesn't fall apart. And yeah. I love the idea that they encoded that information on their DNA, um, but which makes things very difficult for this episode and kind of, I guess, how they're going to be involved in everything that happens. Uh you know, throughout all this, basically, I have a feeling once they set something up, someone's gonna die. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, do you assume uh, it, it would be one of the legionnaires? I I do because if they're that important and they have the DNA, uh, their DNA is coded with the information to help kind of save the world uh, in the future. Uh, if one of them dies, as they mentioned in Hammer Home, really hard that if one of them bites it, uh, that could spell trouble for the future. Um, so the big question now is. Uh, which one it will be and how many more legionnaires are going to make an appearance before season's end so um but i wouldn't be surprised if uh the the nods that we got this week and uh, the little bit of a uh, chemistry moment between uh chris wood and melissa again this week as monel and uh supergirl if uh, that maybe means that uh that saturn girl's fate might be already written before series uh this season's end so. It's, you know, it's weird that you bring that up, too, because it's it's one of those things that I know a lot of people were waiting for Chris Wood, you know, a.k.a. Monel to come back because of the chemistry between him and Kara and, you know, the relationship that they had before he left and how heartbreaking it was for Kara. I know a lot of people were waiting for him to come back so that they could rekindle that relationship. But I, I'm kind of on the other side of it. I actually kind of like while I, I enjoyed that relationship. It, maybe it's just me, but I kind of like the chemistry between him and Saturn Girl. Uh, I, I like what we're seeing. I, I feel like this is a more mature uh, Monel that we've ever seen, and obviously it is because it's years in the future for him. Like it's it's been years for him. I think seven years, um, and a lot of it has to do with her. So it's I'm I'm enjoying seeing this chemistry between the two of them. And part of me doesn't want that to break up. I'd rather find a new love interest for Kara than go the route of Alicity with Supergirl and bring Monel and Kara back together. Well, I mean, I, I think it's there, things are a little bit different. I, I, you know, it's not. I think as cut and dry in this situation. You have a character that's been gone for a thousand years <laughs> in a wormhole, and it's kind of like, well, this is what's going on. So I think if you bring those characters back together, I think it's a little bit different than. Let's be together. Let's not be together. Let's be together. Let's not be together. Uh, let's get married. And, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I ruined somebody ready. else's wedding. Um, but no, it, it's. I think um, something like that. I think still functions and works. Uh, where I think it's a, it's a, it's touchy if it's on again, off again thing. Uh, that's where it can get kind of odd. So I, I think they've got room to go any direction that they want to. Still, as long as it doesn't they get back together and then break it off and get back together again. You know, it's uh, the rule of three does not work with relationships. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Uh, it works in comedy, not, not in, in drama and relationships. Yeah. Um, that usually means it's uh, something poor is about to happen. Um, but I think in all honesty with this, um, there there's, they're hinting at things here and I'm not really quite sure where that's going to go. So, um, but I, I still have a feeling this is setting up uh, for next season for uh, Car to spend some time with the Legion in the future. I really have a feeling that's where that's where this is getting set up. That would so. be kind of cool to to see happen. And as you mentioned a little earlier too, we did get a lot of nods to some uh, things that are potentially going to happen. I don't think potentially going to happen in the future of the series. I think they're definitely going to happen in the future of the series. Um, but we got a lot of nods to. 
uh, to both sides of it, to both Supergirl's side of it and Rain's end of it, uh, as to more characters that we're going to meet before this se- before this season is over. Oh, yeah. Definitely sounds like we're going to see more Legionnaires and a whole lot more world killers. Yeah. So um, and honestly, this was a great way to do it this week. I, I You know, the, the little rematch sequence that we got to see with uh, Rain and Supergirl, like I said, while it was a short fight, definitely not what we saw in the midseason. Um, but knowing what they're capable of in that midseason finale, I, I don't care. I want to see more of that kind of style fighting and action on this show. They prove that they can do it um, and do it well. And um, I, I hope that they take that to heart from probably fan reactions. But this was a really nice sequence. It was great to see the Legion in action and actually seeing those Legion rings for the very first time on these characters' hands and seeing them actually using them as their flight rings was wonderful. Um, but there was a breakout character that we uh, need to talk about. Yeah. What- what was your opinion of Brainiac 5? I, You know what? It's funny, too, because I, we talked about it last week when we saw – either last week or two weeks ago when we saw the pictures of him uh, for what his, the first look of what Brainiac 5 looked like. And we were kind of like, okay, it's it's interesting. Uh, but you know what? When you get to meet the character and he's interacting with Kara, his interactions with Kara were great. Uh, and he's a very charismatic, eccentric character that I, I think I loved right from the start. Uh, I I loved everything that was going on with him. It, it's it's so weird to see a character like this portrayed live action for one, uh, and two just have this kind of a personality that you cannot help but like. And I can't wait to see what comes of this character because what we saw before was more in Kara's coma. We saw. Most of it was portrayed in that, and we even got nods that he had kind of changed his appearance a little bit to seem more confident and such, like he changed his height mm-hmm. uh, and such. But now that we're going to see him out in the real world, and we did see him as well, like piloting the ship at the end during the battle, uh, during the fight scene with Rain, uh, I can't wait to see what we're going to get out of him now that he – when we see him interacting with more people, not just Kara. Like we see him interacting with Wynn and, and John and – uh, and Alex and everybody else. Like, I want to see what those interactions are like. Yeah, I, I really am looking forward to seeing a continuation of them. And I love that after we brought up the Doc Brown comment, uh, <laughs> it was Shad is just kind of saying, that's all I can see now. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I really, Scott. I really, really enjoyed him. Um, he was a really nice ad and helped add a little bit more levity to everything. Uh, I, and the way that he played off with Kara in, you know, the kind of coma state she was in, was really just it was touching, but there was some nice humor to it, and uh, even during the fight, he he's proving to be a humorous character. But um, definitely, uh, it just there's a lot to him, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you know all that kind of you know peel away and get to see the layers. Yeah. So I uh, I, I I did enjoy him quite a bit, though. I think it's important to note too that it's thanks to Brainiac Five. You got your wish fulfilled. I did. And I love <laughs> the fact that, you know, Streaky is in the coma state. And it's the uh, it's the first thing Karis really kind of latches onto when she's on Earth. And it's the fact that she finds this little stray cat uh, that she was terrified of, you know, hurting because she was so strong on this planet. And she just practiced in patience and control. And uh, then she reached out, pet the cat. 
and they became besties forever. So, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's so funny because the way that scene was unfolding, and you know, Brainiac was talking to her about a memory from the past, and she, the moment she said, "Well, I used to have this cat." Yeah, I, uh, I got I was... this. The, I this huge smile burst on my face, and I'm like, "Oh, Rob's gonna be so happy." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was it was really wonderful to see. And it was a really cute, touching moment and kind of the moment that brings her to the realization that Supergirl is both Supergirl and Kara. So um, it's not one or the other. And uh, between that and what was coming from Alex and such. So I thought this was it was a really nice way to bring that idea together. Yeah, and, and using I, using Streaky as the catalyst was just awesome. <laughs> so, and I have to say that the whole coma segment was um, was really well done. Not and I'm not talking like a, from a filmmaker's point of view and production point of view. I'm talking story wise. I think it was very, I think it was very well done. Um, you know, we've seen Kara in this state before. I think it was what the Black Lotus back in season one. Yeah, that yeah. put her in like a comatose state, and she had to fight her way out of that as well. Uh, I think it was okay this time to need assistance, especially somebody like Brainiac Five, who she had never met before. Yeah, I mean, moment. it's kind of funny. You bring up uh, going back to season one when we talked about the For the Girl Who Has Everything episode that we really knocked it for the fact that Alex was the one that pulled her out and said this didn't do good, positive things for Kara as a character. Uh, but it shows you that just it's just the change of writing on how you handle the situations in a situation like this where Brainiac is now um, the one that's kind of helped guiding her. It's still Kara that makes the realizations. Yeah. And Brainiac's just there kind of along for the ride. Uh, and kind of getting to know her, getting to talk to her, and kind of asking questions. He's playing more of a therapist role. Uh, for anybody that's ever sat down in a therapist, they, they ask questions. They don't tell you what to do. Um, and they want you to make those realizations for yourself. So I thought that was kind of a – they handled that in a very proper, fantastic way, and it worked very well, I think. Um, but the one thing I really got to say, though, is there are, even were moments of levity and all of that as Brainiac is multitasking. Uh, where he's trying to figure out a crossword puzzle, do uh, take care of combat on the Legionnaire ship as they're attacking Rain, and just kind of being there for Kara. And uh, watching his attention split all over the place was just phenomenal. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was quite enjoyable. It, 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 yeah. Um, I think there's one thing important to note, and I, I, I read the, the IGN review, and I tend to just kind of like, take it in stride when I read the reviews because uh, sometimes we agree and sometimes we don't but they did make one very good point in the review that I did want to bring up uh, and that is with Kara being in a coma and you know Rain threatening to murder everybody in the city um, where's Superman in all of this? Like would yeah. he not have kind of stepped in a little bit and or not even Superman, but somebody else? I, I would think Superman in particular would be the one to kind of step in. And you don't even kind of need to bring Tyler in. You could have just kind of hinted at it the same way you did in season one before Tyler ever made his appearance. Yeah, that is saying it's like thankfully Superman's been here helping us out during this time a little bit and just nod it that way. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point, but I mean, honestly, the same thing can be said about most of Supergirl's TV show. <laughs> the that's moment right. that they said Clark existed, uh, you can pretty much argue that in any episode. So I did think, you know, IGN bringing that up uh, was a moment that I'm like, yeah, sure, I understand what their thought process, but it's then it becomes a Superman show and not a Supergirl show. You got to, it's fine to bring him in every once in a blue moon, but the moment that you start abusing it, it kind of changes things and then it changes what that show is. So yeah. 
Uh, so I'm okay that they, they didn't even bring it up and just let it be because I wasn't thinking about it or didn't even think about that at all until I even read that review post-watching the episode. That's true. I didn't either until I read so. it. Um, I, I will say one other thing about the episode, and then if you have anything else to add to it before we move on. Uh, one of my other favorite moments of this episode was seeing uh, Melissa do an impression of Martian Manhunter. Yes. As Kyra. <laughs> That was exactly where I was going to go next. <laughs> okay. like, if we had to bring up one more point, it was the sick Kara, a.k.a. John Jones, yes. stepping in. And it was just oh, this, the, the back and forth play between Katie McGrath and Melissa in that was just so well done. And she <laughs> does a great impression of David Harewood. Really does. <laughs> she really, really does. That was one of my favorite moments of that as well. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal moment. And honestly, actually, just seeing Martian Manhunter again immediately after watching that episode, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back and watch Batman Brave and the Bold meets Scooby-Doo again, um, <laughs> which I did. I am now on viewing number four. Oh, uh, I adore that. I absolutely adore that. <laughs> uh, so any final things we want to mention about Supergirl before we move on? Uh, no, I just uh, I'm just again really really looking forward to seeing uh, the continuation of all this and knowing that uh, the more the additional world killers are on the way uh, that makes this very interesting to know and it makes you wonder uh, you know as the escalation happens uh, how far is it going to escalate how many world killers are we going to see tied together how many more legionnaires come into the mix and then ultimately. What happens with the Legion's uh, mission for the future and how does that impact the DEO team and Kara's team? So because you know they're going to if they spent about at least five to ten minutes focusing very heavily on that. So, you know, that's not going anywhere. So I'm very, very curious to see how this plays out. So uh, good on Supergirl for uh, coming back strong and uh, asking a lot of questions and making me wanting to know the answers to those questions. So. Yeah. Uh, looking forward, looking ahead to next week's episode, uh, we're going to see the return of a couple characters coming back. Uh, Supergirl and Saturn Girl recruit Livewire and Psy uh, for a mission to recover a prisoner from Fort Ross. So we're going to see the return of, of Psy and Livewire next week, too, which could prove very interesting. Yeah, uh, and uh, going to Fort Ross again. It's that, That's uh, going back to season one. So. Yep. Curious to see how that plays out. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the continuation of all that. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing Livewire back in the mix. She is a really fun villain slash they're kind of making her a little bit of an anti-hero in the show. And I'm all for it. She's kind um, of like the show's Captain Cold. Yeah, and it works. Um, yeah. It really does work here. And I'm happy that they're they're doing that and taking advantage of that. It is actually working. And it's kind of nice to see them making sure that they bring some of these characters back. So good on Supergirl for that. Looking forward to this coming week. Exactly. Uh, all right, moving on to The Flash, Season 4, Episode 10, The Trial of the Flash. Joe and Iris must decide how far they're willing to take, willing to go to keep Barry out of prison as his trial for the murder of Clifford DeVoe begins. Uh, IMDb gave this one a rating of 8.7, while IGN gave this one a 7.6. So still, you know, in that legend range, IGN just out of legend range, but uh, IMDb definitely... Uh, in and in it's there. funny because we're right smack in the middle with I think both of us giving it a legend at around an eight. So yeah, ta-da. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, this is. I have to say this was this was a great episode for some reasons and a tough episode for others. Tough to see, um, great from a 
viewer and reviewer's point of view. Uh, as in all the emotion that was in this episode, how well done the trial sequences was done. And I was very happy that this was something they didn't just wrap up in one episode. This trial of... I would have been more disappointed. I know people... When I say it was rough, I know your wife in particular. Um, seeing Barry going through this and knowing that he's found guilty at the end of this episode and he's getting locked up in Iron Heights, that's that's what makes this episode so rough is to see this horrible thing happen to somebody we know as a viewer is legitimately innocent and, and, a, and, a and, a, great... and an amazingly good person. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but from a viewer's perspective and a reviewer's pr- from a reviewer's perspective, um, I would have been more disappointed if he was found innocent. Yeah, I would. I would have been too. And but not only that, man. I think I gotta say, the one thing having an episode like this, it shows the acting chops of your cast. And man, did you see a lot of people in this show just shine? I, uh, I have to say, uh, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, go ahead. No, you're fine. You're fine. Two two of my favorite two of my favorite characters, standout characters from this episode, uh, were Jesse L. Martin and Hartley Sawyer. Yeah, there's a particular moment, and I know we're, uh, we're gonna, probably yes. going to jump around a bit. And uh, I, I, this is the scene I wanted to talk about more than any other scene it, next it, to the very end. It shows so much how so quickly Ralph's character has developed into this piece of garbage detective who was willing to do anything to make a buck. Into he is legitimately becoming a superhero. Because um, there is a moment in this episode where Joe is ready to break into. Um, Marlies' home to plant evidence to get Barry off of his crime. And the voice of reason is Ralph. You know, he is the person that says, yes, Barry will be out. Barry will be helping everybody. But will you be able to live with this? Yeah, and it was it was walking through everything that Ralph went through after he planted the evidence and saved somebody that was innocent, but going about it the wrong way. Rekindling and rebringing up all those little points about what he went through as a character, you realized how deep of a character he was in one scene, and they did it exceptionally. I didn't feel like it was info dumping on this character and saying this is why you should care about Ralph. It was a genuinely well-acted scene that was well-written and amazingly executed uh, between Joe's reaction, between you know Ralph's just delivery of, of that discussion to him was just flawless. And I want to say Probably one of the one of my favorite scenes uh, of any of the shows so far this season. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to start with this is because that that particular scene, while I don't want to say is a throwaway scene because it's not. It's very important to the to the progression, not necessarily the progression of the story, but it's very important to the character development of these people. Uh, this story would have progressed whether or not that scene had happened or not. But it was very important because I I was already really enjoying Ralph as a character. And, you, I mean, you know how excited I was that we were getting Elongated Man into this from the start. And then how much I loved his portrayal of it when we first saw him. But this scene solidified him as a member, not only a member of this team, but solidified him as probably one of my favorite characters of this season now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, while the past couple seasons when we do our our breakdowns and, you know, we do our um, our annuals of the show at the end of the season, I've been giving one of my favorite characters 
I've been giving my favorite characters to HR and to, to, to basically to Tom Cavanaugh because I've loved the portrayal of the characters that he's he's played. We're getting a repeat of a character he's played already, which really is hedging Ralph as my favorite character of this season. Yeah, the growth that he has made and this scene in particular was just it, it blew me away. Yeah, I, I was again. I'm, I'm right there with you. I was really just so incredibly pleased with everything and his casting and the way that they've been portraying this character as this sleazeball detective that was disgraced and then all of a sudden now you're like I don't want him to never be in the show anymore um you know we talked really heavily about Tom Felton last year as Julian I'm like man it's really rough to see him go but if I had to choose between Ralph or or you know Julian's character it would be Ralph hands down yeah Um, yes he's such a wonderful wonderful character so uh, I want to talk a little bit about the villain uh, of this week because I know we had a little bit of a difference of opinion. Not mm-hmm. much. We're, we're along the same lines, but we kind of – we both ride that line, but we both kind of fall on opposite ends of it. Uh, Fallout was the, the villain of this week, and I know you kind of called it a little bit of like a throwaway uh, villain mm-hmm. of the week. And I – With the exception of the outcome. And yeah, the outcome and but see the outcome is kind of while I fall on the other side of that line. Yeah, granted, you could have put any villain into this role, uh, and the outcome would have been the same. But I think the villain of this week, you could have focused this entire episode just on the trial of of Barry oh, absolutely. Allen, absolutely, uh, and not had a villain as all. But I I think. I, actually, I know that the villain was very important to this story. Uh, the fact that it caused Barry to run out of court and to do what he knows is right. Even though he's on the trial of his life, uh, or the trial for his life, he still does what is right. And it leads to that final moment of this episode, which I know you said it was if a very emotional moment, uh, which was the back and forth between Judge Hankerson and Captain Singh. Uh, and they're two polar opposite things that we're getting. Mm-hmm. You know, we're getting Captain Singh saying, like, how the Flash is willing to give his life <clears throat> and we cannot be more thankful for him. And then we get the judge saying that Barry is emotionless and the most shows- despicable person, you know, this, this- Used the system to basically control everything he wanted, you know? Yeah. So It's kind of like hero versus monster. And, uh, yeah, it was was an incredibly intense sequence. I'm not – I've actually watched it about two or three times, just that scene alone, just play out. And um, it's – it was beautifully shot, beautifully cut together, um, and it was like an emotional gut punch, every every word. Because it was just like, you were amazing, and – you know, a monster. <laughs> now here's God. Oh God. No, no. And then it's like selfish, uh, self, uh, selfless to selfish, you know, all these little things just that, that play back. It was just, it, it was a really, I think one of the most emotionally intense moments of this series. So now here's the two questions I have for you pertaining to this. Um, you know, you mentioned it, uh, you know, it's like monster to uh, hero to monster. Do you think there might honestly be as as emotional and a gut punch of a scene as that is? Do you think there might actually be a modicum of truth to it? 
do you think that there is a part of Barry as the Flash? Like, we know he's selfless. We know that he's, um, you know, he's willing to run off and risk his life to save others. But do we think that when we look back at Barry's past, not necessarily the Barry we know now, because we know he has developed extremely big strides in as far as his character has come. But do we think that there isn't an element of Barry's past that kind of does make him a little bit of a monster? Um, in his past, yeah. I think some of the Flash that we saw in season two and three I kind of nods to these. But the Flash that we're seeing now is a Flash that has overcome those problems. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, honestly, I would never call him a monster about that because you got to look at it this way. Uh, if you have a character that is flawless, you have an uninteresting character. Um, and, and making sure a character has flaws and makes them real and makes them human. If that didn't exist in him and he didn't make mistakes like Flashpoint occur, um, or even just do some of the things like pushing the team away and fighting on his own, as we saw in the beginning of season two, because of the death of Ronnie, uh, all these little things that have happened, uh, since, you know, the beginning of season one and the fallout of season one, the fallout of season two, the fallout of season three, whatever they may be brought us to a character that is now, the flash like the flash that we know of when you pick up a comic book um i and i think that they handle this perfectly i mean i i think yes you can say there's a moniker of truth to his past but is that the person he is now and do i ever think he was the worst thing to ever happen no he was a selfish human being like most of us become at a mo- any certain moments in our lives when it comes to a traumatic moment or a movement uh, where you can see your life changing if you do something that maybe you have to put yourself first over somebody else. Sure, absolutely. But, you know, I would never say that it, it makes him worse than somebody like Eobard or Zoom or, you know, any of the villains that he's going up against. Okay. So. All right. Um, and my other question for you is you are put in the same situation. Do you reveal who you are? Ugh. And it's a t- it's a tough question. I mean, so is this DC primetime civil war? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I mean, because you want to be, you obviously you want to sound good, and you want to say like, no, I would never reveal that about myself. But I mean, you have to think about this from the perspective that Barry is now facing. In that, yes, on the one hand, you want to protect everybody that you love and not make them a target by revealing who you are. But on the other hand. If you reveal if you don't reveal who you are, you're now not able to protect those people anyway. So, I mean, it's a very interesting situation that he that ha- that Barry is in and it really makes you think if you're in that situation, where do you go? Like what do you do? Do you reveal it or do you not? Yeah, that's kind of a hard call. Um I I think in all honesty, I it, Barry made the right call and I'd probably make the same call because again, the team is still kind of fractured. I mean, Cisco's there, yes. You know, Ralph's there, but he's kind of green. Wally is off running about and about to make a big transition in his life as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, but I still think ultimately, um, you know, you also have the Arrowverse heroes. And if things get really bad, they have friends that they can call. <laughs> so um, so I think he made the right call. And I but think that's, it was the right call to make because, yeah. Fun. Yeah. You, you still have people like Joe and Iris and all these people that could be attacked and targeted by all these metas that still are out there and that we don't know of yet. So. It, it's so funny that you bring that up, too, because this show is very opposite side of the spectrum of another show in that 
uh, you know, Barry is willing to let his life go away, like, you know, you know, not reveal who he is so that he and then he'll get, you know, obviously found guilty and they get locked up. But, you know, the one thing that Barry has that uh, the next show we're going to talk about doesn't is that Barry has trust. You know, mm-hmm. again, he trusts in Joe and Iris and, and you know, Caitlin and Cisco and and Ralph to kind of do what can needs to be done when he's not around. Whereas, you know, in Arrow, at least in the case of where Arrow is right now, that's something that would not happen. Yeah, no. You know, if, I... if Oliver were to get locked up, you know, because of everything about him being mayor and being Green Arrow, man, that that whole city is screwed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, and that's something we'll we'll talk about when we when we get into Arrow. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting situation, and and again, I think that the show is doing it extremely well. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how they play this out. But we got to even get back to that final final touching moment in this episode where we see. Uh, Barry locked up in a cell, and it was the same cell that his father was in. Yeah. And I thought that was this uh, very touching moment where it kind of felt like it gave Barry a little bit of strength uh, about what he was about to face. So I thought that was uh, incredibly well done. But the scenes even, too, between Candace and uh, and, and Grant uh, this week during the courtroom when he slowed down time with her new power. <laughs> so, yep, another new uh, ability. Um, I thought that was also incredibly well executed. And, um, you know, I know there's some people out there that, think Candace Patton is the weak link. I think this season we've seen her really, really grow and really become a, a, a even better version of Iris than we've seen so far on this series. And they're really giving her material to show her acting chops. And I think she's doing a drastically better job than we've seen in previous seasons. And it really kind of solidifies her purpose on the show and the need for her on the show. I don't really think we've seen a weak link this season. No, um, everybody feels incredibly strong. Yeah. And so... I keep keep it coming. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very curious what our listeners would think too. Uh, so I'm going to pose the same question to you guys out there. So feel free to post this on the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash DC primetime. Uh, if you were in the same situation as Barry, would you have revealed your identity or would you have kept it a secret? I'm very curious to see uh, what our listeners would think. I, I think in that situation, I think there is one person I would have revealed my identity to that could have possibly one it would have been somebody i think i would have been able to trust with it and two i think it might have possibly changed the situation slightly which is captain singh mm. because especially after that whole thing that whole final scene we know that he has respect for the flash yeah um and it's revealed at the end of the episode how much respect he has for the flash um so i I think possibly reveal who i am to captain singh i might not necessarily have been an extremely big outcome i probably still would have been found guilty and such but i i think it would have helped it could have I could made see that. the situation a little easier that actually would be very interesting i would be very curious to see what the how that would unfold so yeah so uh, anything else before we talk about next week and then we go into. No, I'm just looking forward to seeing where this goes, uh, really, um, especially knowing that we get to see a new suited up Ralph next week. I know. I can't wait. In uh, the elongated, uh, elongated night rises. The elongated so. <laughs> night rises. Uh, familiar villain returns to terrorize Central City. Ralph must rise up to defend the innocent while Barry is detained by his trial. Uh, Barry searches for strength to keep his optimism alive, optimism alive in the face of his new circumstances. So, yeah, so it looks like I don't 
it looks like we're going to see the return of the trickster, but not the Mark Hamill version of the trickster. I believe it's his son. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, we're also going to see a new villain named Prank. Um, and we're also going to see Bill Goldberg from WWE fame, uh, future WWE Hall of Famer, I have to add, too. He was just announced <laughs> he's getting added to the WWE Hall of Fame uh, as one of the inmates that Barry's going to be interacting with in Iron Heights. So uh, many different reasons, many different things about next week's episode. That I'm definitely looking forward to. Oh, and uh, to go back one show uh, in Supergirl, I'm just uh, not sure if you saw it, but Guardian suiting up next week, too. Oh, I didn't see that. I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Dude, I saw a killer – I saw a video of – it was on Instagram – of a killer Guardian cosplay. Like, looked spot on like it came from the show. (laughs) And it blew me away. And I'm glad you brought that up because I'm – you you know how much I've come around on Guardian. Absolutely. And I know that was that was one thing you're like, no, do not do this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you're like, yes, do this. Wait, why <laughs> aren't you doing more. more of this? Yeah. So, so quite okay. All right. Let's move on and oh, let's talk about right. <laughs> Sorry, Anne. Arrow, season six, episode ten, uh, titled Divided. Oliver discovers one of Caden's secrets. He decides to team up with an unlikely ally to defeat him. Dinah spends time with Vince. Uh, so I, uh, IMDB gave this an 8.1 out of 10, uh, which is extremely different from uh, IGN, which gave this a 4.1. Um, and we, again, we're kind of in the middle. About a uh, five or six, probably about a six. I yeah, we're, we're kind of in the middle of it. I think the action sequences are something that really uh, saved the episode for me. But there are a couple things, obviously, that uh, we need to talk about. And I want to say that one of the biggest ones, this is one of my biggest complaints about this episode. And it's not the story. It actually has nothing to do with Oliver and the team. It's the fact that as brilliant as Michael Emerson is as an actor, and as much as you're portraying Caden James as this big bad, like he is the leader of it all, why do you not kill Green Arrow when you have the chance? Yeah, he's you like, it's not the right time. Get away. And, and they even call that out. Even Richard Dragon's like, that was stupid, you know? And even, uh, you know, Black Siren is like, no, uh, he's like, I'm sick and tired of these people not getting killed. Let's just get it done. Like, they both call him out on that. And like, it's... If, if he has an ultimate plan for why he has not killed Oliver yet, you know, in the, these multiple opportunities he's had, not just in this season, in this episode, he's had at least two opportunities to kill Arrow. If there is an ultimate plan behind why he hasn't, like, he has something else in mind for him, it better be good at this point. Yeah, um... Yeah, yeah, nah. <laughs> all right. And I hate to make those sounds, and like, cause you know what? I want the show to be so good. I love. I, I really still do. love this show. I do too. I and mean, you know what? It's it's I. The reason I waited so long to wait is I was like, please be good, please be good, please be good. I avoided all reviews, any scores, people talking about it. I've barely been on social media, uh, and I'm like, I just wanted to be able, like, I want to watch it by myself. I don't want any commentary in the room as like or like lose my focus. I really just want to watch it and see what they do and see if I can kind of put together some pieces that I think were missing in the midseason finale. Uh, and I was really hoping because you see this alliance of these villains that, you know, are, you know, 
Richard Dragon, you see Vigilante, you have, and it's holy, all these characters coming together with Caden James and Black Siren, and I'm like, why? Give me the reason why. This needs to be explained on why these people are there. And they come into this episode and they say, now you don't need to know that information. I'm like, yes, we do. Why is this, if this was your big unveil, uh, unveil at the end, they gave zero reason for these characters to work together at all. Um, and they still have not touched upon that, and they need to address this quickly. If they don't, it is, we did it to just raise the stakes, just to raise the stakes, with no storyline reasons whatsoever. They yeah. keep dragging on Caden's plan that we have no idea what it is, like, at all. There's no even inkling to what they're doing except chaos. And it's right now it's really not working, and there needs to be a definitive reason. I mean, yet while we, in Flash, yes, we don't know the reasons what DeVoe's doing, but it's unfolding like a mystery. This is just happening. Uh, and I think that's the problem, is it, there needs to be a goal behind what's happening, and they need to start laying some of the groundwork instead of just saying, we just added more villains to add more villains. It kind of goes back to when we go into Supergirl Season 1 and Season 2. What was the catalyst what was the purpose what were they trying to do and we really knocked that show for those reasons um because there was no purpose of what was happening with uh, uh who was it um non in season one yeah. and then with the whole thing with the daxamites and it was like oh no this whole thing played out over two episodes and it hurt the show in a bad way you know it, while those episodes weren't bad it the season suffered because of it, because you just kind of shoehorned everything into the ascent. Uh, Arrow can't make this mistake the way that some of the other shows uh, have done. And it it's important for them to make sure that they look at other shows' mistakes, and there's mistakes that Arrow has even made in the past as well, and not fall into those trappings. Last season was almost flawless. And for them to make this many missteps and mistakes... Uh, seems so odd, um, especially after how perfect of a season they had last year, um, to just kind of like constantly keep tripping over their feet. Every time they have an opportunity to kind of right a wrong, they make another mistake instead. And I really want them to course correct quickly because they're running out of time. They're, we're halfway through the season, and they really, really need to pick up the pieces quickly, give us the reasonings for why this group of people is together. They don't have to unveil the plan, but why is Richard Dragon working with Caden James? Why is Black Siren there? Why, why is Anatoly? He, why does Anatoly and the entire Bratva all of a sudden cool with all of this? There's so many pieces that don't make sense, and they're not giving us reasons why. Yeah. Why was Caden James only and you to save Black Siren? None of this has been addressed whatsoever, and that's a problem. That's a huge, huge black mark on the show right now that really needs to be fixed. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, when it comes to this episode, one of the reasons why I didn't knock it as much as we did the season, uh, the midseason finale, um, a lot of the issues that I have with this, surprisingly, are not from the heroes side of it. Um, I actually liked some of the stuff that they did with Team Arrow, with original Team Arrow and new Team Arrow, Yeah, uh, even though they're not really new Team Arrow because Arrow is not a part of it, but... Um, and I love the people that are calling them new Team Arrow. They're they're really not because Arrow's actually, not on that team. Actually, I kind of think I know what they are. <laughs> um, and it was at the end of this episode. I'm like, I think there's a because let's be honest, Arrow in the you know CW shows is pretty much our Batman analog. Like they kind of tweaked Arrow as a character and kind of blended a little bit of, of classic Batman into him. We've said this since the beginning of this show has started, uh, even before we started doing our podcast. 
And that's very much how it felt. And that was a, a good thing. Uh, but there's a team that Batman was a part of uh, or had relationships with for the longest time called the Outsiders. I was going to say this, the Birds of Prey. And this feels like <laughs> their version of them creating uh, the Outsiders on Arrow. And I think if that's what they're doing, and I think there's a high chance that could potentially be what they're doing, uh, I give them a big thumbs up. And I hope that that's where that that's developing and how it's developing. Why would they bring back the Helix set and do this big unveiling for, you know, Wild Dog and, you know, Black Canary and Mr. Terrific if they're not going to um, continue with that in some way, shape, and form. Yeah. And if they stay on the outside of things and then you have OTA still working and they just work together, this could actually work really well and it's a good way to do it. So it's a big wait and see. So maybe if you go another year and change, want to change things up and Arrow as a show is done, but you can say, well, here's the Outsiders and Oliver, it's Oliver and Arrow and the Outsiders as a new show, um, as an option for the future. So yes. there's a lot you can now do. And if they lay the groundwork right, I think I could play off really cool. No, I do. I, I do like the direct, excuse me. I do like the direction that they're going, uh, when it comes to the heroes. I mean, the teams are split and I'm fine with that. Um, you know, there's the mutual respect at the end of it, at least, you know, everybody said their sorries, but I, I really pride the team, at least the new team on, not going back with original Team Arrow. And I know that's, that might be harsh to some people because everybody wants to see them all work together and be a big happy family again. But, like, look, these guys... And the blame does not fall just on original Team Arrow. The the fall blames on the Outsiders as well. I mean, especially... I'm just calling them that now just because... Yeah, let's that. just go with it and we'll just call them the Outsiders. I like this. Because um, technically they are Outsiders. So even if that's not where they're going, that's still what they are. Um, you know, blame still does find kind of fall on Renee as well. And one of my biggest issues with the way the mid-season finale wrapped up and even the way this episode started is that original Team Arrow while yes created this team was shifting all the blame to these guys and they weren't taking the blame for themselves and everybody is at fault here not necessarily um you know diggle because diggle really didn't do anything wrong um diggle's been fighting his own demons for the past couple episodes um you know but oliver didn't trust them and had him surveillance felicity had him surveillance and had everybody under surveillance. Renee went against him and went against Oliver. Dinah kept the secret of vigilante. Everybody <clears throat> is guilty in this aspect. So it, it one of my biggest problems was that the blame was being put on the new guys and not the original guys. So when everything comes out and the slate is clean and everybody's like, okay, we all did wrong. We all are wrong here, but we need to put this aside because there are bigger things at work here. I pride it. I pride it on the outsiders that they did not go back because trust is broken. It's been a big theme since season one of this series. Oh, yeah. You get that wonderful, trust. wonderful speech between, you know, Diggle and, and, and Ollie about, hey, this whole thing has been about not trusting each other from the beginning and then making amends. That's how things work. That's how life works. You know, people sometimes do selfish things. Yeah. And um, I like the fact that that was a really well, well handled moment. And I, but I do again, I really do pride the outsiders as well. I'm right there with you. I like the fact that they're like we got to do this our way. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see those two teams now butt heads out in the field, um, and to know it's going to be three v three coming up in an episode <laughs> or two. Uh, because we get that nice little moment at the end where uh, John has overcome the damage that happened 
during the explosion at Lian Yu, uh, thanks to Curtis and Felicity's chip. That put so, a huge smile on my face. It too. did. It was. It was a really. That was a moment that I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, I'm. I'm happy. That's where we're at. Um, we know that Colton Haynes is on his way back to the show for at least a few episodes. So, really looking forward to seeing Arsenal back in the mix and uh, seeing kind of that the expanded OTA from early seasons uh, back in the fold, which is going to be really cool to see. Um, and I want to see these characters play out, but I, I think this is a great opportunity for the show now to have a moment to grow again. Uh, and this is, a, I think this is a good thing. While this episode was rough, there's enough seeds laid for the heroes right now where they can overcome some problems that the show is having. They just, if they can fix the villain problem, the show can start writing its wrongs. And I think, it's there. It's really close. They got to just find that next foothold, push themselves up, and get over this hurdle. Once they do this, I think they're okay. It's just they need to course correct, and they need to course correct quickly, but the seeds are laid for them to do it. So yeah. it's the question of will they and or will they not? So uh, hopefully they stick that landing. Yeah, it'll be interesting, too, when we see Colton Haynes return, uh, you know, as Red Arrow for a while, or Arsenal. Um, it leads me to believe, will we or will we not possibly see Speedy suit up again? Because we kind of got the seeds to that potentially happening this episode. Uh, we didn't necessarily get a no, I will never suit up again. Uh, but It was you know, a war I'm not ready still. Exactly. So, I mean, could it potentially, once it goes to th- four on three... Could we see it even out to go four on four and for some reason see Speedy join the Outsiders? Or, or do we see uh, Rory come back and we see Ragman back in the mix? So there's oh. a lot there's a lot hanging out there and it's a big question of what's next. Uh, which is the one thing that is a good thing. If you're questioning what's to come, uh, that is exciting. But at the same time, when you're questioning why are they doing what they're doing, that's a problem. So we're trying to kind of trapped in the middle right now. Yeah. Which is why this is probably going to stay in the hero rating range until some of these things are addressed. Um, I think the longer and longer that they don't address certain angles of it, that score starts to dip down because it's now this lingering problem that's not being fixed. Uh, if they start doing it, you're going to start seeing those scores from us tick up. Um, you know, and again, the reason for that really rough score, that sidekick score that I gave at the midseason finale was the midseason finale is your promo moment. Uh, it is your teaser trailer for what's to come. And if you can't make people excited, you don't succeed as a show. It's really important to make that matter and matter in a big, bad way. Yeah, um, we're we're a little extra critical when it comes to mid-season finales and season it, finales. It's, it's the first episode, the mid-season finale, and the finale of the show. Those are the most three important episodes of every season of every TV show. Those really matter, and we will always be the most critical in those over any other moment in any other season, yeah. uh, or in uh, if any show. If you know, Black Lightning, like I said, we're about to talk about, uh, came out came out of the gate swinging pretty hard. Um, you know, Arrow when it first started did too. All these shows did, but if you have a rough mid season finale, it's gonna come back at you, um, and we'll we'll call it out whether people <laughs> appreciate it or they don't appreciate it. You know, they do or they don't. <laughs> Um, but it's it's only again because we want to we want to see these shows constantly up their game because it's exciting for us. It's it's I want to talk about these holy crap moments. Uh, speaking of holy crap, let's talk about that trench fight. Uh, yeah, because there there are actually two parts um, about this particular scene uh, that I kind of had an issue with, and the trench fight is not one of them. Uh, well, 
I don't want to say that. Um, there, there are two. This whole final battle scene, there were two things that I kind of had issues with. Um, but let's talk about the actual fight itself. Um, we got what to me is one of again it's such a standout fight in that this is one continuous shot. This is akin to Daredevil in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know. I think I don't think you've seen Daredevil yet. Have oh you? no, I, I've seen the first season. Or okay. well, I, I saw the hallway fight. I'll put it that way. Okay. So I know the one you're talking about. The, um, to me, this is very akin to that. Yeah, this is the second moment like that this season that has just constantly wowed me. There was the other continuous shot, which was the limo fight. That was yes. the Diggle, the Green Diggle uh, moment. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and then you now with this, that that long continuous fight scene. But I love that it was like it was. It was ground eye level, so there was moments that you felt like you were behind Oliver's eyes, and then you saw Oliver pop around the corner, and you saw the fight continue, and then it would dip back in. It was the way that this moved, and just how visceral it was, and fast-paced it was, but it went on for a good like minute and a half, and it was a gorgeous, gorgeously shot sequence, and I think one of the best we've ever seen on this show. Um, so, again, they've really been upping their game uh, on the combat, especially in Season 6, so I'm really just blown away with the fact that they continue to surprise me with how amazing that uh, action can play out on a TV show like this. Yeah, and not, o- not only that, but I mean, the steady cam aspect of it, too, gave it like the shaky cam, gave it like a very gritty uh, feel to the fight as well, which I, I loved. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, but then that fight continued on to a one-on-one with Vigilante. And here's where I have the issue. It's not... With the fight, I thought the fight was great. It was brutal. It was hand-to-hand combat at its best. It was great. My issue is that I'm now constantly reminded with all of these appearances of Vigilante how flat that character fell. Mm-hmm. Um, we were led to believe last season that there's this big secret behind Vigilante. And we've talked about this already this season in that the reveal was kind of hum. Like, it was nothing. Like... We were so disappointed in the reveal of Vigilante and that it was somebody we kind of had already met but didn't know. And like it was such a, a big disappointment uh, when we believed it could have been so many other people. It could have been Quentin Lance. It could have been uh, Curtis's partner. It could have been anybody. So now every time we see Vigilante, I'm constantly reminded of that. And this fight, like, Vigilante, when we saw him before we knew who he was, and this is another reason why I had said before that, and I've said this on this podcast, I said this on stage with Josh Laguerre, like, I would have loved if we never got a reveal of who Vigilante was. And at the time that we didn't know who Vigilante was, Vigilante was so much more of a badass. And now we know who he is, we know that he's got this on-off-again relationship with Dinah, it kind of weakens him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't find him as much of a badass character as I used to. Yeah, it's a little dis- that's, a, that's a bit of a disappointment now where, you know, he had such an awesome edge to him, and you're like, I don't know what to expect from this character. He just keeps showing up out of the woodwork and is just kind of awesome and terrifying at the same time. Uh, now it's just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's... I can't take you seriously fighting Oliver because you just got slapped by Dinah. Like, it's... I, I can't... I well, don't look I, at this I, character. I, I, I would walk that comment back. That, <laughs> I would, well, I would think about how you place like, that. I, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, it's... I, I kind of... 
I don't look at this character the same way anymore. I think what you're trying to say is the humanization of of the way they made his character uh, and stuff is taking a lot away from what he was last season. And while they do need to make him a fully fleshed out character, I think they went about it in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's the best way to put it is the humanization of the character is kind of taken away from it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, again, if if this was a fight with a vigilante that we didn't know who he was under that mask, that fight would have been so much more badass. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I, I still actually the one character that still feels the weirdest in this mix is Anatoly. Um, it's just uh, I don't know why it just bothers me. There's something about the way that they're doing the whole thing. And yes, they have their 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 back and forth <laughs> headaches between the two of them as characters. And they had for a while, and I understand that's been. There's a reason for it, and you can explain it as much as you want, but it doesn't feel like Anatoly, though. It, it just it feels like we're now looking at a completely different character. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's it's something about it is just not functioning and not sitting right with me. Richard Dragon is this huge character in DC Comics, and they basically just turned him into a, a bruiser. It's kind of like the Batman and Robin version of Bane, where he is just a oaf that punches things. Uh, where Richard Dragon in the comics is kind of a terrifying character. Bane in the comic books is a kind of terrifying character because they're smart. They're not just bruisers. They're these people that can command the most highest levels of respect from people and be feared by pretty much every criminal organization in the world. And here he is. He's just a man in a peacoat that occasionally punches things and shoots a gun. So it's kind of, eh, okay, well, hopefully they, they do some work here. But uh, would like to see that again as we brought back in the beginning uh those villains need to be villains need to be tweaked and, and fleshed out a lot more so yeah um we do actually get a name to the other guy that's in uh richard um that's in uh Caden james's uh posse and his, he goes by the name of boots we still don't know who the hell he is mm-hmm. uh, or what he's doing with that group it just sounds kind of like he's his, <clears throat> just his little right hand man his, his the guy that does his dirty work um, and just the kind of the evil henchman, and I think that's all it's going to be. I don't think yeah. it's going to be anything beyond that, uh, which is fine. They don't need to add another big bad to this mix at this moment. I think uh, they have enough on their plates to try to to try to work out than uh, do anything else. But I think uh, yeah, it's it is what it is right now. Um, but the hero stuff has been really good. It's just the villain stuff needs work, and the plot needs work. Yeah. Uh, now, there's um, oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say there was, there was two other things, uh, one of them pertaining to this fight. So I'll start with that one and I'll let you go before I, I say the other one. Okay. Um, <clears throat> one other issue I had with this, and this kind of does fall on the hero side of this. And maybe this is just me. And I, I'm, I'm very curious what your opinion is on is in this. Did you have an issue, because I know I did, with Felicity using the T-spheres? Uh, like, this I, is not your tech. This is Curtis's tech. I actually you basically kicked them out of the team, and now you're using his tech for your own good. I did actually have that <laughs> the, uh, like feeling in a little bit uh, for a moment there too, because uh, not only that, we also saw Caden James using him, and I love that when you see the Caden James ones. There's a C instead of a T. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, it I was did, really, well, really minor and very <laughs> subtle early on in the episode. But now I did think I'm like, wouldn't Curtis have probably taken all of his teasters with us? Because you saw all the cases empty and none of their suits up. So I thought it was a little odd. but Well, the Kane and James ones I can kind of get around. Because, like, look, this is a bad guy. We already know that he stole them. So, yeah, yeah. he's using them for his own good. <clears throat> but Felicity knows better. Like, this is not your tech. Well, I mean, you like, definitely get an inkling at the end of this that they're, they're, they're Helix uh, Incorporated 
is falling apart at the seams now too at the end of this episode. So it's a big question of how that's all going to play out. So yeah. Um, but the last thing I really wanted to touch base on is uh, we got a little bit more seeds for the redemption of Black Siren in this episode, um, where we now see that Thea and Quentin are going to do anything in their power to try to bring Black Siren back to the good side of the of the mix and kind of rekindle a relationship. So we are seeing that kind of starting to lay out, and I'm curious to see how that's going to play. Um, now, what are your thoughts on that right now? Because I do think this is something I do want to see. I want to see this angle happen, and this could be a big part of my thoughts for the rest of the season. So, um, I'm glad you brought this up because this is one of the things that I – I said I had one other issue with, and I, not really an issue, but just questioned. Um, and I'll, I'll say it real quick, and then we can d- discuss uh, this redemption aspect. But in the scene where uh, Kate and James and Black Siren go to visit Bertinelli, did you really need to disguise yourself as a goth? Yeah, that was a little weird, too. And I'm like, <laughs> she has short black hair and, uh, and, a, and a nose ring. Now. Like, and I'm like, and then I'm like, OK, maybe she just changed her look. And then you get to the later scene and she's like, nope, still long bl- uh, blonde that's, hair. That's what, was what the I thought. That? That's yeah, what it, I thought. Like, I was like, oh, she changed her look. She's looking more evil now. This is kind of cool. And then you see her again looking normal. And I'm like, so what the hell was the point of that? Yeah, it was just kind of confusing. I, I, it was one of those moments that just didn't make any sense. Um, and I'm kind of like, if they just want to go that angle, sure, go ahead. But then it was just kind of like. Huh. <laughs> yeah. It was um, it was it was a head scratching moment. It was not nothing horrible, but it made you scratch your head and like, was there a reason for that? Yeah. Or, were they trying to disguise themselves? Because they were pretty forefront about who they were. <laughs> yeah. Um and it was just kind of confusing, but okay, sure. Um as far as the redemption angle goes, I'm kind of on the fence. Um I, I seen Quentin has been one of the standout characters to me this season. Um I love seeing a lot of the emotion. He's been a standout for me since the beginning of the show, but because um, Blackthorn is just an amazing actor, but we've seen more emotion come out of him, even more so now. With uh, it, we've seen the most emotion come out of his character when it comes to Laurel. Uh, when we saw the death of Black Canary, it was obviously very emotional moment that got me completely choked up, and now we're seeing this emotion return again with you know having to deal with seeing his daughter, who's not his daughter, come back, and. You know, it, we we get all these emotional scenes, and now we're seeing them develop. We saw them with Renee for a while, and now we're seeing them with Thea. I love seeing these emotional aspects come out of him, and I have a fear that Quentin works best as a broken character. And I hate saying that because you want to see happiness come out of his character, but we see some of the best acting and some of the best moments come out of Quentin when he's broken. And I I think for the sake of this character and the story driven, I think we need to see him go on this quest for redemption, but I don't know if we need to see it happen. Um, On the other side of things, when it comes to Katie Cassidy, I think this is some of the best work we've seen come out of Katie Cassidy because I'm enjoying, I think she's enjoying playing the villain. I really do too. And I love to, even if they do redeem her, you know, she's still going to have that edge. And I think that's what makes that character work a lot more than it did in the past. Um, when she was a little bit more cookie cutter, as much as I still loved her character, because I, I love Black Canary as a character, you know, I always have. So I, when I saw her in the show, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to watch her journey. And I know a lot of people disagreed with, you know, how she was being portrayed, the, you know, Katie's performance, all these things. I really enjoyed it from 
the the start and what they did with some of the stuff with her. Uh, it was just uh, they did some sloppy. There were some sloppy stories with her character that they just didn't know what to do with her. That drug her down, didn't give her a lot to work with. And now that she's able to kind of cut loose, I think you're seeing uh, her skills as an actress a lot more. And uh, I think if they do redeem her, those qualities of her character kind of stay with her. So that's a positive. That's the hope. If Yeah, I think if, if they do redeem her, she's got to still have that edge. Because that's I think, is what's making me enjoy that character right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm kind of on the fence. I could see it going either way. I, I wouldn't be disappointed if it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, there are certain aspects of it that need to remain if it does. Yeah. And as you mentioned, it's that edge. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything else about it's so funny that uh, this was the lowest rated show of the week for us. And I think we spent the most time on it uh, because, you know, the, the problem is there's so much good and there's there's a fair amount of rough parts of it. And it, it feels like I don't want to sit here and bash a show that's still doing good things. Um, and I think it's it's important for us to be able to kind of state that, especially for those fans out there that really love the show, because we're still fans and still love the show, too. Um, still love the show. Uh, but it's just critically there's there's things that we have to call out, but there's there's positives that we absolutely have to call out as well. So definitely more positives in this week's episode than there was in the series. Finale. Yeah, if, if I mid season finale, if I had to give us a number score, like I'd probably give it a six point uh, six or six point five. OK, so yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you, too. Yeah. Again, the hero it's in the middle. It's of- in the middle closer to a legend than it is a sidekick. Yeah, the hero aspect of it has definitely come around and made some improvements, but there's a lot of work that still needs to be made with the villains. Mm hmm. So uh, looking forward to next week, uh, we have um, – oh, wow. I just noticed that this week was called Divided and next week is called We Fall. Uh, William gets caught in the crosshairs as Oliver attempts to stop Caden James with just the original Team Arrow. Um, so it looks like he's going to be going off on his own and not really care that the other guys have made a team of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to say real quick, backtracking just a second, um, and we don't have to go into it. I just want to say that uh, the scenes with – I loved seeing Renee and his daughter. Yeah, they uh, were Interacting because I'm, I'm so happy that she's part of this. And now we're going to see uh, – now we're going to see William thrown into the mix as well. So, uh, all right. Let's talk the newest addition to the Arrowverse this week, and that is Black Lightning. We got the season series premiere, uh, season one, episode one, titled The Resurrection. A former superhero with the power to control and harness lightning, Jefferson Pierce, otherwise known as Black Lightning, unrolls the secrets of his past to protect his city and his family. Um. IMDb gave this an 8.2, IGN IGN gave this an 8.5, and we gave this one. I gave this a very high hero, you gave this a low end legend, so we're we're kind of right around the same aspect of it. My cat's mm. making noise in the background. Again. <laughs> um so just ignore it. Um but yeah, so I, I again, my point of view is there are definitely things that are developing from this uh but i'm loving where this is going i love the characters that we've met so far and um i've always been growing up you know when you try to create yourself as a superhero what powers would you give yourself um i always went between fire and lightning so it's cool to me seeing a superhero that can harness lightning Mm mm-hmm uh, and not only that, but one that looks as badass. As yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, let's go right off to there's there. What's the beautiful thing about the show is we didn't get to see one black lightning suit. 
we got to see an old school comic book accurate black lightning suit in the flashback which was so cool and uh there's a little theory that i know we have to get yes. into at the very end yeah. of this and um, i love this theory by the way i do too i really do too um but there's a couple there's a big few questions that are lingering even after this first episode is jefferson pierce a traditional meta how did he get his powers all these things it's not just a suit um still to be revealed <laughs> so yeah because uh, we do see him use the the abilities and have like the the spark of these powers when he's not wearing the suit exactly and now it's the big question is how did this play out because the only metas we have seen come from star city uh or not star city uh from central city from the particle accelerator and now the bus incident and that's it so i'm very curious to see how they play out this whole thing because uh and uh, there's a lot to still be revealed. Yes. And I think that's okay. I, that's, a, that's, I think, maybe going to be a little bit of a mystery that still needs to unfold. Uh, it could potentially play into our theory, or the theory, not our theater, I, we can't take credit for it, uh, but the theory that we did read uh, that we will discuss in a little bit, in a couple minutes, um, it, his origin could play out in that theory. Yeah. Uh, but it would also mean that you're not going to find out his backstory until a later season. Yes. Um, but yeah, um, right off the bat, this show, as I mentioned in my early scoring of this uh, for The Legend, was this show doesn't even need to be a superhero show. Um, the boundaries of what this show is all about work already on its own. When you add that little cherry on top of the superheroics in it, it makes it that much cooler. Um, I really love that this is – you could say this was a cop that was – that was the most, uh, you know, well-decorated police officer in the city's history and then retired and became a principal. And it would still work just the same way. And now he's going back and cleaning up the streets. Um, but it, the fact that you, instead of having that, it's a, a superhero that hung up the suit um, makes this that much cooler. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I really love the angles of this, and I love the fact that this city is just war-torn and destroyed, and gangs are just taking things down and ripping things apart. And his one of his daughters is caught in the crossfire of it all, and it makes it that much more interesting. And I, man, I gotta, I gotta say, this was a really exceptional uh, outline for a series. Well, I mean, you, you want to go back to. Obviously, we've talked about some of the stances that some of these other shows have made politically, um, you know, and this one, I think, is is really no different. I think, in fact, this one kind of amplifies uh, it, a, kind of a little bit of a political message in that there's, you know, police brutality, there's racism, there's gang violence. Um, these are things that are all prevalent in our society today, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that kind of explores that and i think it's one of the reasons why this show hits home with a lot of people is that because we live in that kind of society now where these things are prevalent what would it be like if we had somebody like black lightning that would kind of step up and take care of this for us yeah um um, yeah it's it's a big it's a big modern day message yeah the angle of of, um showing the racism was incredibly incredibly well done um even showing you know Jefferson getting pulled over as the principal. Dude, that, that scene was cringeworthy to me. It was One. it was it was rough to watch, but it it felt so visceral. It felt very real. Yeah. Um and I I give them a lot of credit for shooting that the way that they did, and for the creators of doing such a good job with getting that message across and showing the truth of a lot of things out there, and the fact that they didn't sugarcoat any of it and they made it 
as I mentioned, as I just stated, very visceral. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, again, when I say cringeworthy, like that's that's one of the reasons why it, it's so cringeworthy is because it's very real. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, they didn't sugarcoat it. They shot it in such a way that it it's meant to make you cringe because it's not just this character that's going through this, but there are people in society again that that deal with this every day mm-hmm. um so that's the message that they're trying to get across but i mean outside of that focusing more on the character himself i i think i see i know cress williams i i've talked to a number of people who know cress from a bunch of different things um i personally know i'm gonna throw something at my cat um <laughs> uh, i know cress from prison break um, and he was a great character on Prison Break as well. So I think he fits this role perfectly. Um, granted, we could have seen other people cast in this role that would have been just as good, but I, I love seeing him now uh, because he plays that hardened character so well. Um, and now we're we're getting to see you know the history of this. He's a divorced father of two daughters. He's a high school principal. I'm very curious to see I want to see all this in between that's happened. Um, you know, we're going from two opposite ends of a spectrum here where he was a superhero that was out there fighting crime every day to somebody who's, you know, a family man and, uh, you know, a school principal. And where, don't get me wrong, he's still a hero in that aspect. Yeah. A school principal is absolutely a hero in my eyes. Yeah. Because um, not everybody can do that. Job. And I, I, not even that, too, but he has faith in the kids. Uh, and that was the one angle of that I really enjoyed. Like they even brought up the idea of metal detectors in the school. And he was like, absolutely not. I will not have children feel like they're prisoners inside of a jail. You know, like those little moments and those little words and the way that they're written um, were very telling about who he is as a character. They did a really great job of outlining him in just a couple of really good pieces of dialogue in the way that he unveiled that and stated them. And I, I'm really excited to see uh what he can bring to this role and to this character to help bring this uh, black lightning to life for the very first time. So yeah. there's another very important line in this series too. Um, that's said, and it goes right along with that. And it's, I've saved more lives as a teacher and a principal than I have as black lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, and again, I love the fact that, yes, while it's shining a light on the aspect of society today, uh, you know, with the racism and such, it's also shining another light on a positive, And that is teachers and principals and how important they are to to everyday life and to these kids. And every aspect of this show that they have done when it comes to society, they have done flawlessly. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that they keep up with that as the show continues. Yeah, and I, you know, the one thing I will say was very interesting, and I apologize because it's going to take us a couple of weeks to to get every every character's yeah, name yeah. down and all these little things. So if we're a little vague on some of the character character moments in this, we do apologize. That will change over the weeks. It's a lot of new characters for us to be introduced to at this point in time. But um, the one thing I thought that was really interesting too, and it's kind of funny, we're not even really talking about his powers yet. Um, the <laughs> moment that there is the attack on the school in broad daylight, where the one gang member is trying to kill his daughter. Uh, and he goes running to uh, the crime, uh, one of the crime bosses, or one of the not the crime boss himself, which is Tobias Whale, uh, but one of the head underlings in that region said, "We had a deal, nothing on school grounds ever. Uh, all these things, and it's like, and you had someone go after my daughter. All these moments uh, showing that he's willing to 
find compromise, knowing that it's impossible to stop everything, but he can fix as much collateral damage as possible. All these little things showing that he's willing to bend the rules. As little collateral damage. Not as little. Not as li- <laughs> yeah, as little collateral damage as possible. And uh, he's willing to bend the rules uh, of what you would expect of a normal hero to make that happen. So I thought that was really interesting to see. Yeah, so it's almost as not if this he... clean, clean hero, you know. Yeah, it's almost as if he'd rather do things not as Black Lightning first before he has to put that suit on. Right. Uh, and this was before he even donned the suit of Black Lightning, too. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's it's a very interesting take to see um, a hero like this. Yeah. In, in that, you know, he'd rather do things done as himself than Black Lightning. Mm-hmm. But if it comes down to Black Lightning, I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um... All right, now, in order to get to that part of uh, <laughs> him becoming Black Lightning, there's another character we have to discuss. And that is James Remar's character by the name of Peter. Yeah. Um, I James love James Remar, by the way. I, I do, too. James Remar is one of those very wonderful uh, character actors that kind of slips into the background of so many shows and movies. Um, but he is, is an exceptional talent. And uh, showed again here, kind of a... Uh, a little bit of an Alfred character uh, for for Jefferson. Uh, obviously, the person that's making his suit and uh, kind of the only person that probably his own, one of his few people that knows who was Black Lightning. So yeah, so yeah, but I mean, I just uh, you know, I, I love James Remar. I loved him in Jericho. I loved him in uh, in Dexter as Harry Morgan. Uh, Shana- Harry. Yeah, the Shannara Chronicles. Uh, he was a great character. Uh, not the best version of Raiden in the Mortal Kombat Annihilation film. But, still, <laughs> so, but it's but funny that fun. you br- it's still funny that you bring that up now, though, too, because of the comparisons of the characters. Yeah, we have James Raymar, James Raymar, who played Raiden in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, who uh, controlled lightning, and now he is the. Alfred to somebody who controls lightning. I yeah. didn't even pick up on that until right now. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's when so that fun. happened and I realized that's who he was playing, I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> But it almost, it, it's it's funny in the aspect in that his character of Peter has kind of had this, you can kind of tell that he's kind of had this hope that Black Lightning would return at some asp- at some point. Well, I kind of like the fact that he constantly feels like he's egging on Jefferson to put the suit back on. Yeah. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting because he's like, nope, this indie needs this. Regardless of what you think, nobody stepped up to fill your role and things got worse. So, Which is kind of a little bit of a difference of the Alfred character because Alfred is the one that kind of discourages him at first. Yeah. From putting on the cowl and going out at night and, you know, why are you doing this? You're never going to event, you know, what is this going to prove? And we've got Peter who's like, no, this city needs you. Put the suit back on. You need to do this. Uh, so yeah, so while he is kind of an Alfred character to Jefferson, it's uh, it's it's a little different, obviously. Yeah, and so. one of the things I thought was kind of interesting too, aside from just putting that suit on from you know Peter kind of saying it's time, you have to do this, was the struggle for Jefferson about wanting to do it, and the fact that the reason he hung everything up was the the fact that it was destroying his family, his wife watching him come home bloodied and destroyed and potentially never coming home to his children, what he could do to his family in the process of this is what led him to hang this up. It also led to him being a hero, led to the destruction of his marriage, which he's now closer and closer to putting back together. So knowing that he's putting the suit back on, he knows that he could destroy everything that he's been trying to do. Yeah, So and it it takes his family being threatened for him to put the suit back on again finally. Yeah. 
So, so it's a very, very in-depth character. And they gave us a lot of who he is and what he's struggling with in this single episode, which was why I had to give this such a good score. Because it's not as simple as, I'm just going to be a hero. It is, should I do this again? Because this could destroy everything I've just fought for and just rebuilt my life to be. Uh, so the fact that there's a struggle from the start, I think, makes things very interesting. Yeah. Uh, now, here's a question that I, if something, again, I couldn't kind of figure out. I, I kind of posed this question to Arrow a couple weeks back, and now I'm going to pose it to Black Lightning, and I'm curious uh, what your take on this is. Do his daughters know who he is? I don't know. I, I think right now, no. I, I From where we stand at this moment in time in the show, I don't believe they do. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously this is a very... I don't want to say dumb universe where you can't see you see somebody in just an eye mask and you can't tell who they are, um, you know, because otherwise these people that he was going up against would have known who he is. He's been face to face with many of these people, uh, you know, a couple of times. So how would they not recognize him when all he did was shade his goggles, mm-hmm. you know, to hide his eyes, um, which apparently if you hide your eyes in this universe, nobody can tell who you are. Um which Welcome to comic books. <laughs> yeah, so. which makes me wonder why do people wear sunglasses? Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm still up in the air. I don't know whether or not his daughters know who he is. Yeah, um, I feel obviously that his one daughter is going to find out very soon. Yes. Uh, which now? Which daughter was that again? I'm trying to remember that. I started... believe that is Jennifer. I okay. think it's the it's the older daughter. Okay. Because um, I think Jennifer is the older daughter and Nessa. Is the younger daughter? No, Nessa is the older daughter. Sorry, okay. Um, Jennifer is the younger daughter, so it's going to be Nessa that is. Uh, and she becomes Nessa. she becomes thunder, and then yes. the younger daughter becomes lightning. So, uh, hometown girl, by the way, too. She's from Philadelphia. Oh, very awesome, very yes. cool. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I will say uh, I'm looking forward to all this, plan, you know, panning out. And we got our first quick view of Tobias Whale at the very end. Um, very quick note, but I even think even the, the gang members that we saw in this were actually fairly well developed. They weren't simple cut, dry, boom, random thug. Uh, they felt interesting to watch. So especially that kind of main head that we see, um, Jefferson actually discuss the incident at the school. Uh, he seems like he's going to be a very interesting part of all this. So, um, one of the, one of the things I do want to say about this show before we wrap things up and we, we talk about this, this, uh, possible theory um one of the things i want to say i'm really enjoying about the show at least that we got from the pilot is that while they they show that the 100 which is the gang that he's up against is not afraid to kill um they're kind of showing the same thing about jefferson and black lightning uh he's not afraid of the consequences of what he does he he will do what needs to be done in order to stop what's happening Mm -hmm. um he's not opposed to uh to, to killing people if that's what it takes. I mean, like, these people have killed. Why shouldn't they deserve the same? Right. And it, it's an aspect that still confuses me about Arrow to this point, is that Oliver is so against killing, but yet this past week's episode, we saw him put, like, five arrows in people. Like, it's I don't know what Arrow, where Arrow stands on the killing, not killing, even to this day. And this show makes it very apparent that Jefferson doesn't care. Yeah, it seems it, that way. <laughs> so it, It's going to be... What needs to be done is what's going to be done. Yeah. Um, which kind of I'm going to use as a transition, unless you have anything else. 
No, I think I covered all my points at this time. So um, I'm kind of going to use that as a transition. There is a particular line in this episode that leads people to a particular theory. And that line is that uh, it comes from the mayor when he's being interviewed. And he says, why is it that we look at superheroes in other cities as heroes? Uh, or we look at people with powers in other cities as heroes, but we look at Black Lightning as a villain. You can kind of see the aspect of it because he is killing, but he's killing bad people. So he's kind of like the Punisher of the DC Universe. Um, he's kind of like the Punisher meets Luke Cage of mm-hmm. DC. Uh, but that line being said, we have now established a way to put this show into the Arrowverse. Now, producers have said that this season, producers have said that this show will not tie into the Arrowverse. I'm okay with (laughs) at this time. I'm okay with that. They did the same thing with Supergirl. Um, They wanted to develop Supergirl. Now, the only exception to Supergirl was they did one episode of a crossover, and that's because the ratings were kind of low. So they did it as a ratings boost. Right now, Black Lightning doesn't need to do that. They're developing this show on their own. They want to build this story as their own. There are multiple theories as to how this show could develop into could form its way into the Arrowverse. This could be another Earth, uh, which is the the easy go-to. However, there is an interesting theory, and I, I talked to you about this yesterday, and I love this theory if it happens. Please, please, please elaborate. <laughs> we saw the flashback of Black Lightning wearing the traditional comic book costume which is more fitting to the costumes that we see from Arrow and Flash and Supergirl. Now, the ongoing theory that we read is that this present day of Black Lightning is actually the future of the Arrowverse. And that flashback is the present day of Arrow and Flash and Supergirl. We'll say Arrow and Flash because that's going to be particularly the world that they're in. Supergirl's another Earth. So, the way you could potentially tie in Black Lightning into the Arrowverse is that anytime you see Black Lightning interacting with Flash and Arrow and those characters, it is a flashback of Black Lightning. Which I think is brilliant because you can now focus, you can now keep the focus on this present day story of Black Lightning without having it tie in to all of this, but you can now explore the backstory of Black Lightning, making it a tie into the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. Which would be really cool. It would be awesome because it's something we haven't seen yet from these shows. You shave, you know, Cress Williams' head and beard and put him in the old school suit, with it, which they obviously have. So, yeah, you just take advantage of that and. When you do a crossover or a big crossover, boom, old school Black Lightning is in the mix. Or it's you a- even have a different actor, actor portray him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even have to be Cress Williams. It could yeah. be somebody else who looks similar to Cress Williams but has a younger look to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so now you have – and that, again, will help. This is from a production point of view. You don't have to worry about Cress's schedule now. He can keep his schedule with Black Lightning, but you can hire this new actor to portray a younger version of him and throw him into the shows, Mm -hmm. which I think is brilliant. Yeah, it could be a really cool way to do things. 
So let's hope the producers listen to our podcast. <laughs> Probably not, but hey, we can hope. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to reach out to Guggenheim and bring this idea up. <laughs> and uh and not Christberg. We don't want to reach out there. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um not um not Guggenheim. Um Berlanti. Think? Berlanti, that's yep. it. I couldn't think of it. Um but I think that was a very interesting theory when I did read that, and I think if that's something that happens, that would be a very good and fun way to incorporate him into the Arrowverse if they decide to go that route. Yeah, I think there's a lot that they can do with that, so um, but I think that's going to wrap it up. Oh, next week for uh, Black Lightning, we have Luanda, the Book of Hope. Uh, a glimmer of hope appears in the community that Black Lightning is back to combat the violence. So we're still very early on in the season. No strong plot lines developed as of yet, other than the fact of this character and who he is. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, where the show goes from here. But I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it for sure. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk news. Yes. Uh, I know we got a little bit out there, but I will turn it over to you for a couple minutes and tell us what's going on. All right. So let's start on the TV side of things. And we're going to start in order, starting with Supergirl. Uh, for those of you that did not like the X-Men version of Monel, uh, <laughs> don't worry, folks, because if you have seen it, there is a new mid-season lineup promo uh, that's out there showing all of the CW shows for uh, starting mid-season and shows returning. But in that, near the middle of that, we actually see Monel sporting the traditional full red suit with blue cape, very akin even down to the way that the cape sits, just like Tyler's version of Superman. So the traditional Monel suit is indeed coming. Do not wear, uh, do not worry too much. Uh, it looks almost dead on. So, um, so don't be afraid. <laughs> so, no more X Men Monel. It sounds like uh, give it a couple episodes and we'll see the classic in action. I actually didn't even have a problem with the costume. I didn't I thought either. It was fine. Yeah, it was perfectly fine. But speaking of Supergirl, it sounds like there is some other interesting things happening. Um, so there is a video out there on Vimeo, and unfortunately, I can't show the full or talk about the full thing. But there's an uh, actress by the name of Sarah. Uh, Sebalos, who is reading for the role of Lois Lane on Supergirl. So uh, the question is, is this just a hoax or is Lois Lane coming to Supergirl finally? Uh, I think if you're going to do this, you have to eventually bring in Lex. Yeah, and I think maybe that's what we're building up to. But it sounds like Lois Lane is indeed on her way to the Girl of Steel's show. Uh, jumping over to The Flash. Uh, it's not just Monel and Supergirl getting a new suit, but the long-awaited upgrade for Ralph Dibney's Elongated Man is coming. We did see a quick shot that is kind of a, a little bit higher than waist-up shot of him wearing kind of a purplish maroon suit with uh, some gray striping. Uh, so very, very close to his uh, one of his, the versions of his suit that we've seen in the comics. Uh, and you, and uh, sorry to interrupt you, too, but I think... Looking at this image, too, that we got with him with the black mask and everything, too, there is something very similar to Firestorm on his chest. Yes, there is. And and I think it's Cisco tech that's going to allow this suit to do what it needs to do. Yeah, I think so. So I'm very curious to see how this plays out, but I have a feeling this is something we're going to see this coming week. So uh, 
we get to say goodbye to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Dippy. <laughs> uh, but uh, the showless turtle look is our listener Kevin. Has yes, said yes, yes. Uh, but I'm very excited to uh, to see the upgraded suit in action, which most likely is coming this week. So uh, let's jump over to Legends of Tomorrow because there's a couple things we have to talk about. Uh, one of the things that sounds like we are going to be seeing an episode coming up soon in season three is an episode that is uh, going to appear and when the characters go back to the 1980s. And it's during the time that Obama is a student at the Occidental College. And it sounds like we will be seeing a young President Barack Obama. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, the teenage years for the character. So uh, kind of curious to see how that plays into things. But it sounds like it's an uh, episode that will be uh, appearing in April. So, um, but yeah, very curious to see what they do with that. And uh, I think that'll be kind of cool. Um then jumping into a little bit more stuff of some things that we'll be seeing very, very soon when the show comes back in a couple weeks. Uh, this came from uh, Dominic Purcell and uh, some things that we're going to be seeing with Constantine and uh, Citizen Cold. And it sounds like we will be seeing a pot- potentially bit of flirting between the two characters because for those of you that are not in the know, uh, Constantine is bisexual. So, and we have been, it's been made very clear that Citizen Cold is in a relationship with the Ray. We've already seen him flirt with Curtis a little bit as well. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, more of this outside of what even Dominic Purcell states, but it's the fact that we uh, see very specifically, and I'll state quote-unquote from Dominic uh, as they were filming this, is like, well, Trenchcoat, a.k.a. John Constantine, has just arrived, and I've only had, they've only had one scene with him so far, which was last week. Uh, he was hitting on Wentworth with Miller's character, and it says, isn't Constantine bisexual? And it's a, it was all too much for Rory. So he just kind of walks out of the room as the sequence is happening. And he says, Rory watching Citizen Cold and Trenchcoat flirt with one another was like too much for Rory. So he says, just, just fucking got out, of the, uh, got out of there as quickly as he could. That's what I remember doing. It's all way too much fun. Uh, sorry for too much information on this because this is one of the funniest scenes we've shot. The scene is absolutely hysterical. The entire cast was on the floor laughing their asses off. It's all done in amazingly great fun. So we can't wait to see for you all to see this. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what they do with this. It sounds like it's going to be pretty amusing. Yeah. But we also know both of those characters are not characters sticking around forever in Legends of Tomorrow because we do know the replacement for Firestorm officially is now been confirmed to be Keenan Lonsdale as a series regular Wally West is indeed as we discussed last week, as was rumored, uh, is indeed joining as a uh, series regular starting in episode number 13 um, when he will join forces with the Legends of Tomorrow, filling another seat on the Wave Rider. And I think they've said, too, we're not going to see him on The Flash between that time. Yes, correct. Uh, They did say it's kind of great that they got a chance to do this because they said this is not his first appearance because he was in the season premiere for this year working alongside uh, Uh, Nate's character. So. Uh, all right, let's jump over into a little bit of Titans casting. Uh, there was a new casting announced just the other day showing that Seamus, I think Seamus Deaver has been cast in a mysterious role. Nobody knows too, too much about what's going on. But uh, he did. He was a character that was a detective. Uh, Kevin Ryan on Castle uh, was also uh, played a role on Army Wives and General Hospital. Uh, and made an appearance or two on FX's Legion. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing what this is going to be, but uh, everybody's wondering if this is that cult leader character, which could be uh, Brother Blood. This could potentially be Trigon. Nobody's quite sure, so it's a big wait and see. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about this very soon. 
Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. But let's jump into the film side of the world because there is a lot of stuff going on. Uh, and this is a little tricky. So we're going to start with the oddball stuff. And I apologize because this is all speculation, all rumor, which we try to usually avoid. But there's been so many stories in the last couple days uh, as far as the continued writing of the ship and what the current slate of DC films actually is going to be now with the new changes. Uh, currently, this is what is stated to be, quote unquote, 100 percent officially in the works as of this moment, which is Aquaman, which is in the middle of post-production Shazam, which has already begun. Uh, Wonder Woman 2, which we know is slated for 2019. Suicide Squad 2, which we'll have more on that in just a moment or two. Flashpoint and The Batman. Uh, now, Flashpoint does now have its director. I apologize. I lost that news story somewhere in the mix um, when I was digging through some stuff today. So we'll tr- It's actually a pair of directors. It is. Um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, they are uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Yes, I can't remember what the, they previously worked on, though. Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes, they were the writers of Spider-Man Homecoming, if memory serves yes. correctly. So um, looking forward to seeing what they do with uh, with Flashpoint. Um, but not only that, there's a couple big notable absences in the mix here. Uh, that being something that we've heard a lot about recently, which was Justice League Dark, Batgirl, Green Lantern Corps, Man of Steel 2, Gotham City Sirens, the Harley versus Joker story, and I think there's a couple other ones somewhere in the mix. Uh, but uh, outside of this story, they did we did hear a little something that there is going to be a new DC news show coming, similar to the online DC All Access but it's going to be daily, uh, which is which was a daily and exclusive stuff. But major news is going to be released through this new DC news show that'll be online. So I expect we'll be watching that a lot more, like a hawk, as far as what's going on. But there was another story that came out that's uh, brought bringing up this article specifically and saying, uh, you know, there was a couple films left off of this list uh, that are actually still in de- active development. And that sh- uh, states that Man of Steel two and Nightwing are also part of this mix. Uh, but they did say uh, this other uh, one also showed that Green Lantern Court and Batgirl is also in the mix, as is Justice League Dark. So there's a lot of questions now. What is actually accurate at this point in time? Nobody's really yeah, quite I... sure what the real logistics of, because you also found another story showing that Cyborg is still Cyborg, yeah. So it, it's showing, it sounds like the only real catalyst that we're seeing that's not a part of this is Gotham City Sirens. Uh, Harley versus Joker not being 100% confirmed. And now there's discussion of a Birds of Prey film, too, that Margot Robbie is also trying to get off the ground uh, as well. So there's a big question of what's happening here. Um, but I have a feeling right now the only things we know, and I think Ben agrees with me, that are full-on true is Aquaman, Shazam, and Wonder Woman 2, and Suicide Squad 2. I think yeah. even the Batman right now is kind of in the mix. Flashpoint's still kind of in the mix. You know, Flashpoint's now on its third set of directors, the Batman, we still have Matt Reeves attached, but uh, we don't know too too much else yet as far as what's going on. Um, the only thing that we know is Ben Affleck apparently was approached about directing Flashpoint, which he did turn down. There's been a lot more stories about Jake Gyllenhaal actually being the now actual full-on frontrunner for the Batman. Uh, and as, I don't want it. I know. Everybody wants John Hamm. Uh, but a lot of people want um, Gyllenhaal, too. So it's a kind of split. I think both will do the role justice. It's just a question of what... Reeves ultimately chooses, but that's where the DC film slate stands. So if I have to state, even if we went through all of those numbers, take our, our advice right now, only focus on Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman 2, and Squad 2 right now. Let everything else kind of fall where it may. So, 
Um, as far as uh, Man of Steel 2, though, there was a little bit more, and it's basically the positive reception and the test screenings from Justice League showed that the audiences do want Man of Steel 2. So Warner Brothers is saying they are looking absolutely at doing whatever they can to make sure that it's one of the next films in their slate. And they said, plan on us discussing that with everybody very, very soon. So this is obviously them continuing to stay. Don't worry. For those, all these rumors out there, we are going to solidify what the actual films in the DCEU are going to be coming up very soon. Um, jumping into a little bit that we discussed real fast about Suicide Squad 2. Uh, just two days ago, Joel Kinnaman, uh, who we knew was uh, Colonel Rick Flagg in uh, Squad, shot a picture and threw it up on Twitter. Uh, or no, sorry, not Twitter. His Instagram showing quite a few people that a couple of us are wondering what is indeed going on. Because in that shot, it's not just him standing there, but we also see Jai Courtney, and oddly enough, we're also seeing Jay Hernandez, who played El Diablo. And it's all of them saying, Brandon's whipping us back in shape, Jay just puked, and then it says Garage Gym, <laughs> and then people were like, is this Squad 2? And they all there was a shot right after one of them showing their Suicide Squad tattoos that the cast had done. So it sounds like they are all pumping in the gym, getting ready for early work, because there's talk that this summer the film will go in front of cameras. So it sounds like we are seeing El Diablo finding a way out of uh, what appeared to be his uh, his death at the end of Suicide Squad. So Yeah, I don't know how that's going to happen. Uh, we'll see. Hey, <clears throat> you know what? If they can find a way to make it happen, because I really liked his character in that movie. So I did too. So if they can find a way to make it work, do it up. Uh, speaking of Suicide Squad, though, uh, Suicide Squad Hell to Pay, the animated feature, has its release date, which will be digitally available out there on March 27th and on physical media on April 10th. Uh, Gotham by Gaslight, I believe, is going to be out there in the mix in, what, a week? Uh, one week? I think it comes out this Tuesday digitally. So we'll have a review for you guys on the Tw- uh, Yeah, 23rd is the digital release. So, uh, yeah, this uh, this week. And so we'll have a review for you soon. I think IGN already has a review of it up out there. If you want to check that out, they were not very favorable of it. So uh, I will. I'm really looking forward to uh, our opinions on that soon. Uh, the last news story for this week is a new DC video game coming, and that is a, another Lego video game, and that is going to be DC Villains uh, to start in the new one. So. Uh, Still right now, it's just a rumor, but there is a recent leak that came out of the 2018 Lego set, and it includes uh, the Incredibles 2 also getting a Lego video game treatment, but there was a lot of things showing uh, some stuff coming off of the Lego Batman film um, that this was kind of the additional tie-in, but to continue off of the Lego DC superheroes, it is now Lego DC supervillains is the next in the mix. I love the Lego video games. I do, too. They're always wonderful. Uh, but that wraps it up for us this week. Uh, recommendations? Uh, my recommendation for this week is also on the video game aspect is that don't forget um, Batman, Telltale Batman, Enemy Within, Episode 4 is this week. It's the yes. 23rd. I am very, very excited to play it, and I will be doing that on Tuesday without I- a question. Uh, for me, I got to say I uh, – in just the past week, have rewatched all of Batman Beyond, including Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker, and all I got to say is, man, <laughs> you, you are welcome. Yes, <laughs> uh, it was one of those things that I I, I own it all. I, I just, but I saw it up on the server, and I'm like, you know what? Sure, why not? I'm gonna sit down and watch a couple episodes. A couple episodes turned into 
three nights of very, very late nights watching the entirety <laughs> of, of all of it again and just remembering how amazing the show that truly, truly was. Uh, and then now I have to remind myself to dig up Justice League Unlimited. I think it's the end of season one and watch the Batman Beyond epilogue that takes place in there, which we could see the real end of that series take place, which was so amazing. <laughs> so uh, and that episode, I believe, is actually just titled Epilogue. Uh, where we get to see a very, very old Amanda Waller talking to a very aged-up Terry McGinnis and an even older Bruce Wayne in that episode, which we get Bruce to see. Bruce is still alive? Yes. Uh, <laughs> it is like a 90-year-old Bruce Wayne in that episode uh, who is in really rough shape. And you get to, if you don't know that episode, I'm not going to spoil it for you. All I can say is if you're a fan of Batman Beyond, you owe it to yourself. And I mean owe it to yourself to watch that because that is the closure of this entire series. Uh, and it is in a phenomenal uh, moment, the fact that they got to do that in Justice League Unlimited. So, yeah, uh, you also see another character from a very wonderful Batman animated film that takes place in the uh, Paul Dini uh, version, uh, you know, world and the Bruce Tim verse up here in that episode as well. Cool, cool. Yeah, I need to go back and I need to watch Batman Beyond again. It's been a long time since I've watched that show. It aged incredibly well. Um. Yeah, so uh, cheap plugs, and then we will we'll get out of here. Uh, you can find me, obviously, as this podcast, as well as my other podcast, The Showcast Spotlight, all podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, which is nextlevelradioonline.com, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline, and, of course, the, prime, um, the DC Primetime podcast page on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, we have the voicemail, and forgive me, I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> so you do your cheap plug and then I will I will have the voicemail number up by that point. And as for me, you can always find me at Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods as well. That's all through nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh we will be filming or not filming, but recording our <laughs> new episode this Wednesday night, which will be the villains episode that we talked about a couple weeks ago. I'm still in the process of prepping all of that, but uh we'll be having our cast pulled together and ready to rock very, very soon. I'm looking forward to recording. Um, and uh, we'll have that up for you very soon. Don't forget as well, make sure you head over to our good friend, George Shaw's page. It's georgeshawmusic.com. He is so kind to provide us tunes that you hear in the beginning and the end of every one of these episodes. Yes. Uh, and the DC primetime voicemail. With, with all of these shows being back, now's the time to use that voicemail because now's the time that other than posting on the Facebook page and such, we want to hear what you guys think of these shows. And if you think we're dumb for giving the reviews that we give them uh we want to hear why so give us a call leave us a voicemail 1-888-247-5380 toll free in the u.s and canada again 888-247-5380 just give us a call uh and voice your opinions and who knows we might actually use them on the show so uh, but I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you guys once again for being a part of the community. Thank you for subscribing and posting and everything that you guys do. Uh, next week, more shows to talk about. But until that time, we'll see you around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.